Welcome to the Intercut Podcast Channel, the weekly place to hear the latest in movies, TV, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he got stuck with babysitting duties this year, it's Arturo Zurita. I'm here to talk about the one place that I would have never found myself in, and that is in a holdover as a school, and yet probably became one of the uh, standout movies for this fall uh, movie season. I'm very surprised by it. Yeah, absolutely. The Holdovers. It's a new comedy from director Alexander Payne, set in 1969 about a group of students at a New England boarding school who are unable to return to their homes for the holidays and are left to spend Christmas break at school with Paul, a curmudgeonly professor who was once a student at the school as well. They're also on campus with Mary, the school's head cook, who's grieving the loss of her son in Vietnam. And together, Paul, Mary, and Angus, played by newcomer. Dominic Hessa find a sense of community in each other. Paul Giamatti plays Paul. Mary is played by Divine Joy Randolph. And Arturo, I found The Holdovers to be a charming, funny, and warm comedy about outcasts coming together. But what did you make of the movie? This is one of the movies like Mank, like uh, a couple of films, especially in this era where all the filmmakers of today really want to make a movie of the 70s. This man said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a movie in the 70s. And he painstakingly went through the detail of making it sound like the 70s, look like the 70s. He got the the old MPAA logo, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Even the, the studio logo, which I, I was hearing him talk about, took a little bit, but he was like pushing them. He's like, no, I want this to be as authentic as possible. Yeah. He said that he didn't want it to be a movie that emulated the 70s, but to feel like a piece of lost media from that era, yeah. which is pretty cool. And I, I think kind of pulls it off. Yeah. He was pretty much saying that he's like, I don't want to sound corny, but like, I just pretended like I was in that era. It, yeah. it looks beautiful. He had even mentioned that there was like CGI snow added to some of the sequences. I would have never even guessed. Yeah. I don't know if you got to see or if you've heard of any 35 millimeter screenings for this, but this is that movie. We're watching it in that type of uh, format showing. Yeah. That format would be the like, like taking it to the next level. But no, I think it delivered on every aspect of what it was aiming for visually. And then character wise, it starts off pretty slow or it started pretty slow for me. And I was yeah. wondering how much we were going to be, you know, hanging out with these <laughs> douchebag kids, kids who like, if their parents didn't want them, then why do I want to sit here watching them? And little by little, you start uncovering a, a bit of each of these characters and the teacher. And like you were mentioning, Divine's character who easily is a standout. She is the heart of the movie. And slowly the movie just gets progressively better. It's one of those movies where it's just like every scene after they get held, hold over, they held, or hold over for the, the season. Yeah. It, like the movie gets stronger, every act that by the end of it, I, like I wanted to see more of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it starts out in this place where it is these, like this sort of rough and tumble boarding school tale. And it's kind of about the dynamics between the different students, these different holdover students who have been left there for the Christmas break. And then as the movie progresses, some of that starts to fall away and it becomes much more about the kind of like, almost like nuclear family forming between those three main characters in Paul, Mary and Angus. And, you know, as their inner 
pain is revealed to us and each other more. You see them sort of grow into supporters of one another, them able to lean on one another and and find ways to sort of meet in the middle because they're not people who are very similar in either their like presentation no, that, or, it, yeah. or, or in their interest, but they find these ways to kind of bond in middle grounds, right? You know, uh, yeah. th- particularly when you have the relationship between Paul, uh, played by Paul Giamatti and Angus, because it, it's a teacher, it's a teacher student relationship first and foremost. So there is that kind of antagonistic quality that they bring into it. But as, as those layers start to disappear, you see like, it's kind of almost like a, like a stepfather stepson kind of thing going on where the, he, provides a sort of guiding guiding voice and guiding light and teaches him some things that he actually finds interesting and yeah the angus is able to break down paul's sort of you know hard exterior and find a kind of softer inside and i don't know it's i just really appreciate it feels very old-fashioned in in the way that it's put together both on a technical aspect, as we mentioned, because it both looks and sounds like it's an older movie, but also feels old fashioned just in its approach to storytelling and how kind of slice of life and, and tender it is while simultaneously ban- balancing a lot of sadness that these characters hold around. Yeah. And it gives a good double meaning to the title because you have obviously yeah. them being held over for that season, but then each character has something that's holding them over from progressing to the next level. The kid with his family and why they don't want him to go over. And that gets explained throughout the movie. You probably have the biggest one in the teacher as you realize why he's specifically still in that school. I thought it was a college at first for whatever reason. Then yeah. I'm like, okay, prep school, that means that they're going to college. It was the two little kids that appeared where I was like, Unless these are smart guys, like they should not be in this <laughs> in this setting over here. And I was like, okay, that means that this teacher has never moved on to be something bigger. And as they expand on that, you realize what's kept them there. And then, yeah, with, with the lunch yeah. lady, you have a character who I think is probably the most profound one because you realize why she's still there emotionally. Like everybody else has a, a family side or, you know, the school, the academy, what they couldn't achieve as a thing. But like for her, it's like she had no other choice and specifically was always there because it was something that she wanted for her child. And yeah, yeah no, the, the way that they take their differences, but take like a, a through line of all of them missing something, they become that missing piece for each other. And I thought that was really, really nice. They've all been cut down in different ways. They, they've had these dreams or these aspirations either for themselves or for other people. And they've sort of been met with a world that is not as sympathetic or, or understanding of those interests. And they're all in, in their own way kind of stuck in a, in a, a state of arrested development or, or something like that because they are dealing with their or maybe the more apt way is saying not dealing with their their different traumas and sadnesses and simply just sort of going on from moment to moment but in spite of all the sadness that we're talking about i think the predominant feeling that both you and i got from this movie is that it is very cozy there's there's a warmth to it underneath all of that. And I found it interesting, shout out to the Intercut uh, Discord server, which you can join by clicking the link in the description of this episode. But Devesh pointed out an interview with Alexander Payne from IndieWire in which Payne sort of rejects the notion of holdovers as a cozy film. 
Uh, he said, part of that nauseates me a little bit. He continued, I thought I was just making a decent movie about people. Well, you're the first person I'm getting to ask. What is it that felt cozy or warm to you? Is it the texture of the film or the quality of the human relations relations presented? And part of me wants to sort of push back on what Alexander Payne is saying, because I think I find that as flawed people who carry around our own traumas, whatever whatever those traumas are, it can be really heartening to see flawed characters overcoming their own issues to find a version of happiness. So that aspect of it, the the aspect of them, you know, being these damaged people that are somehow over to, uh, over to able to help each other get past it in some way, I found that to be really warm and cozy. So yeah. even if the director doesn't think it, I certainly think it's a cozy film. Yeah, there's fireplaces, there's snow. There's nothing mm-hmm. cozier than the season when you're watching a movie in these recliners and you go out and there's flurries coming out at you. Also, it's great that you bring up that quote. He does this every interview. Uh, Zach and I were talking on the Weekend Must Watch stream how this man's journey in his career is making like really big movies that have stood the, the, the test of time and then taking 10 years to do that. But if you go way back, you'll realize he was making like these erotic softcore <laughs> movies and the buildup of becoming a director that was doing that in his early stages of his career to like this profound filmmaker where anything he makes, including downsizing, which I think we can both agree isn't the best movie, but still has people remembering it a little bit more fondly. Uh, like this is a guy who made a, a massive jump And yet in every interview that I've seen, he does exactly what you were saying there, where someone will give him a compliment and you'll be like, well, I don't know about that word. Yeah, he's very suspicious of praise. Dude, in a lot of these interviews, someone will say one word. It'll be nothing but praise. And then they'll say one word he doesn't agree with. And he goes, well, it's not really that. And I'm... I could go five minutes on why it shouldn't be this word, but I digress. I'm assuming that you're meaning it in a good way. And I'm like, well, then... Just assume it and keep going. You know, I, and, I had yeah, a chance I can to make interview. A compilation of his. I had a chance to interview Alexander Payne back when Nebraska was coming out. Uh, it feels like a decade ago at this point. And I asked him a question about uh, whether actually here's my Nebraska hat, my prize winner hat. Um, I asked him a question about like the idea of being disillusioned about your father as this sort of source of wisdom, because the the film is sort of. Uh, Will Forte's character dealing with his his dad in sort of like an elderly stage of life. And he kind of was like, no, I didn't think about that at all. So he's not a person who will just like play ball with a question that is not uh, not what he was thinking. Yeah, but then at the same time, it's like he is thinking that. That's one thing that I've seen a lot of directors really fall into. And I think he's got that grace, if you will, of like being such a big director that he could be like, no, that's not what I think. Yeah. And then like three months later, he'll quote tweet or I don't want to say he's on Twitter, but he'll agree with that sentiment. Right. So I don't get the pushback sometimes. It very much came out like he's just looking for something to push back onto. And ironically, that's what kind of gets some of the best performances out of his characters. Yeah. I mean, it's it certainly like I think if he didn't even if he didn't say it, Paul Giamatti got the memo because there is this just like really warm uh undercurrent to his performance like you really feel the layers being peeled away from his curmudgeonliness bro yeah Yeah. he's the teacher damn i mean he's so like he just so fully embodies that like giamatti has this disposition of of kind of like he feels sort of like cheeky he feels like he kind of is a, a very smart guy who 
uh, could like cut you down if you wanted to. And he's able to play that really well and also play sort of the, the discontent of the character. It's an excellent performance. And like, I, I've just been, I'm so happy to see one of my favorite actors like doing good acting again, not just spending all of his time in, in commercials and on billions for some reason. I'm so, so happy to get another great Giamatti performance, especially because it was his work in Sideways that originally got him in like Oscars discussions. Personally, I'd love to see him get a nomination here. Is the old one? I don't know if it's the whole like, you know, we owe you kind of arc going on. But he should have gotten it for Sideways. I think he should have gotten it for something in that early 2000s. I mean, I even prefer him in American Splendor, although that's a a TV movie. Big fat lie. (laughs) What was your favorite performance, acting performance in the film? He was excellent. Like, there is nothing to take away from him, especially uh, once you finish the movie and you listen to uh, a lot of different things that he went through when he was growing up. It it makes you go back. And I don't know how much spoilers we're going to get into, but just cryptically speaking, early on, you see why the the dean of the school doesn't like him because he failed a student. Mm -hmm. And you think it's just him being a strict teacher, but then you learn about his past and you see how you could apply how he felt growing up in his own college to what he sees in these kids who get away with just being the senator's child or, or you know, just coasting on through life. And it, 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 I, I think on rewatches, you pick up more in his character that is really fleshed out. I know uh, Alexander Payne had even mentioned that he knew it was going to be Paul the entire time. That's why he named the character Paul. Paul. Like, he had nobody else that he wanted to choose. Um, but it, it's divine. I think the way that they give her some of the most emotional scenes. There's a lot that's uh, being carried on her because she is one of the people who stays behind for various reasons, but in particular, it's because she doesn't want to move on from the memory of her child, someone who she Mm -hmm. lost, as you see in the trailer, who went off to war in particular because uh, he went had gone to that school off of her scholarship. And she's the lunch lady. She's the one who's serving them. She's the one who's putting up and having to give nourishment to these kids who just talk back, who have no respect who just don't care, who she knows are coasting most of the time, you know? Because she's mm-hmm. almost like the person behind the scenes who, while they may want to behave in front of other teachers, they're not behaving in front of her. She's seeing them in the most truthful manner. And uh, as you get to see some behind the scenes from her, as she's, you know, a lunch lady, as you see her go through the different parties, she's got some of the best crying scenes where it's just a person truly letting it out who's been holding mm-hmm. all this back for years. And, and it's yeah, not like, like a very be showy performance in any way like even when it gets to those emotional uh, you can moments tell she's like, holding it. yeah she it, there's a lot below the surface and you know she has this sort of quiet dignity to her throughout like even when you can tell there's like a sadness there like she's never uh, she's never cr- goes crazy she never like gets her her self worked up over whatever like is going on at the school she's just a steady presence both as herself and in response to other people you know the care i feel feel like uh paul and angus start to sort of listen to her calming words of wisdom and those sort of she sort of helps steer them back onto the right path so it's just such a such a heartfelt genuine uh role and divine brings so much pathos to it and, and and just a real sense that she's gone through a lot, right? Like she doesn't have yeah. to speak to it, but she embodies a character who's who's had a rough, who's had a rough go of it, and is is in the process of com- uh, coming to terms with it. And I, I found Especially so much to really uh, just take see away from her performance. Angus, yeah, 
Angus, like, he'll he'll just lash out. He'll just have these moments where he's just like, I don't want to listen to this. This is crazy. Like, the whole movie is just him complaining, I don't want to yeah. be here. But when you finally get her to, to just peek through that a little bit and she starts having a breakdown, that's the part of the movie where even Angus is like, oh, my goodness, I, 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 we need to stop this party. I need you to come yeah. over here. And it, it showcases, like, she's the one who's never allowed to explode. She's never allowed to have these, you know, tantrums that she's due. She's mm-hmm. owed one. She's gone through a lot. Angus gets to have them, the teacher gets to have them, all the people around her get to have them, and the moment that she gets one, that's when you feel the movie just come to a halt. And again, it's just her presence that, that really demands it. It's certainly one of the best movies of the year. I, I'm hoping that this stays in the discussion for lots of awards, uh, including a Best Screenplay nomination, perhaps Best Cinematography. Really hope that it makes that top 10 for Best Picture. Do you think that it's going to be a film that threatens for your personal top 10 of the year? Probably. There's too many movies, but it's, it's a very great movie. Like, uh, again, I think for her supporting performance, I definitely have that as a top 10, uh, out of my list. Uh, in terms of movies, it's definitely on the top half of recommendations that I'd give, but you know me, that's why I don't like doing a top 10. How am I going to do a top 10? I'm not kicking any of my 10 out, but of course I want to include that one. Uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely one that's getting a mention towards the end of the year. It's one that I would love to see Paul Giamatti get some recognition for. Uh, you had discussed the, the kid and how he was specifically chosen from, I think it was like 800 auditions. Um, mm-hmm. And, he's, and he, he kind of was... has this push and pull. Go ahead. I was going to say he was a student at one of the boarding schools that they shot yeah. at. That's how they found him. And he's good in the movie. I would argue that poor kid for his first time being on screen. I, I think he said that he did a lot of theater. You know, he's battling with these teachers. It brings that angst so it works. But, yeah. you know, even like we were saying, going through the interviews, he had to audition like seven, eight times. And I'm like, why not just move on to the next kid? It's because you have Alexander Payne who's so stubborn. He's like doing the movie before he does the movie. He mm-hmm. sees something in this kid and he brought it out of him where he was overacting in front of the uh, the auditions and the Zoom calls. And eventually he was like, no, let's tune it down. You can't do this on camera. I think some of it still kind of bleeds in when he's trying to do the very bombastic performances. But, you know, even he put up his own that towards the second half when they have that relationship, like I think you put it perfectly, of being more of a stepfather figure than than a teacher when he's breaking down the professor as well to kind of realize, you know, what am I still doing at the school? What is my purpose in teaching that I think it, uh, you're able to get a lot of good stuff out of him or he's able to get a lot of good stuff out of Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Any spoiler aspects that you want to address just in the, as we wrap things up here on the holdovers, a, a movie that you and I are both recommending. Yeah. Some through lines with Divine especially would be, you know, she's holding that box throughout the entire movie and they never really call too much attention to it. They're always mm-hmm. calling attention to the whiskeys that they're drinking, right? <laughs> this man's always got Jim Beam on him. She's got some Forrester. Really a whiskey movie. So again, the coziness of it, I mean, it's all there. Mm-hmm. But she has this box that, you know, she calls attention to when you see her uh, on her own. And it isn't until the end where they have this beautiful kind of breakthrough for her where she realizes she went to the school because she wanted her child to be able to get into it. She knew there was not going to be any other way. And then just like her husband died, if I'm not mistaken, in the war, her child goes because that was going to be the only way that he'd be able to get a scholarship for school, for college. Losing him and then having all of this, uh, you'd put it, uh, aspirations, that she mm-hmm. then applies to her sister's child that that was beautiful and showcasing that box that she's held the entire time as her 
baby's belongings to now give on to them, who they were going to even uh, give the middle name of her son to. That was beautiful, dude. I thought that yeah. was a perfect way to wrap it. Also for Paul Giamatti, the big reveal of him having had that Harvard incident, which is even yeah. out in a trailer now, which I think is a big spoiler, but that showcases so much of his character, why he's still stuck there, why he hates uh, students who are, are able to just coast by, mm-hmm. and kind of even drops that whole mentality of uh, department alum should not be liars. And probably one of my favorite scenes was when he sees one of his peers from long ago now running something at Harvard, tenured and whatnot, and they both play off of each other as he pretends yeah. to be his nephew. Beautiful stuff. Ang- Angus like does him a favor and lies to that's make him look better. That's where the kid better. really excelled. Exactly, yes. yeah. No, I mean, I think it, it's one of those things that's really interesting in that Giamatti's performance, I think like, you know, anybody can have this experience of you see your teachers and your teachers always try to put on this face of like, they are the authority figures. They are in charge. They are not your peer. But sometimes you actually like get close to your teacher and you you have like a real conversation or They're they tell you something. Too. Yeah, and you you have that feeling like, oh, we, we are actually connecting here. I feel like mm-hmm. I got that feeling over and over again with Giamatti's character where he would just like lower his defenses a little bit. And like you mentioned with the whiskey when he'd be like, oh, yeah, like where's the gym? <laughs> it's stuff like yeah. that that is really delightful. But I also really, really appreciate how... How his character is written because he's like he's an intellectual, right? Like he's got like all the the five dollar words or whatever the SAT vocabulary and just the the verb the the verbose way that he insults a lot of the students. Uh, I th- I found to be really hilarious, but it's also just a film that's peppered with these really smart lines like i love the paul uh, the paul line history is not simply the study of the past it is an exp- it is an explanation of the present like it's very mm-hmm. history teacher but it's still like stuff that just layers this film with like interesting ideas so there's a lot that i i really really appreciated about the way that they told the story one of my lines would have been the you're not your father you're your own man the way that's delivered and angus mm-hmm. got that tear coming down that was mm-hmm. a great one right there. And then they have that connection too, where later on you realize why he wasn't fitting in with a lot of uh, a lot of his peers and he tries to hide when his medications fall and he's like, oh, it's vitamins. And yeah. then you see that Giamatti's character is also taking the exact same medication and it's like, and they oh, don't okay, even that's really like another. Put, put words to it, yeah. And that's the exact same, that's exactly how you should showcase that. And I think that's what leads him, you know, eventually in that, that latter half reveal of, his divorced parents were divorced because his father ends up in a mental institution. And when he goes to visit him, you know, you, you understand a lot more of his character and his fears, his, you know, his worries as he gets older. And yeah, I thought that was very profound. And I think what, what makes that second half so good and adds that first half of the movie when they're all just bickering and fighting with each other. So very good. Definitely. Yeah, The Holdovers, highly, highly recommended from both of us. But I think that's about all for our discussion of the film. So let us know what you thought of it, whether or not you think it should be in the discussion for some Oscars and awards, and whether or not you think it might be one of your 10 favorite films of 2023. It's a stacked year. It's talk, talking mm-hmm. about a lot of movies. I feel like I keep asking you this question when we do these reviews. Like, is it going to be top 10? Like, uh, My top 10 might need to be 25 movies long this year. I've been pushing this on Intercut for the longest time. <laughs> top 100, top 2023 films of 2023. Let's, do Let's it. go. Let's do it. But for more from me, you can check out my 
Letterbox, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V is in divine, I-C-H, and check out my YouTube, TikTok, Instagram channels. All of them are at Multiplex Show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Movies on all social medias or over on the Let Me Explain YouTube channel. We've been breaking some stuff down. Or you can find me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Spanker, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our beleaguered faces as we run through the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. We also upload those videos to Spotify. And please leave us a comment, like the videos, consider heading to I- over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review. Shout out to those of you in Ireland for putting us on the film review charts out there. Uh, quick mention to our YouTube clips channel, Intercut Clips, Intercuts, where you can find segments of the show broken down. So if you don't have time for the whole hour and a half long podcast, you got nice little snippets to uh, catch up with right there. You can like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Patreon. You can find all of those pages at Intercut Pod, as well as our Discord uh, are all available through links in the description of this episode. And those are the best places to get updates throughout the week from art from me from all the guests we feature on this podcast as well as updates about the podcast we're posting updates about the podcast to our patreon so even if you aren't going to sign up for a dollar a month you can sign up just to find out what's coming up and what we're talking about patreon.com slash intercut pod that's all for this edition of the pod thanks again for tuning in and until next time i thought all the nazis went to argentina <laughs>